Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 74. Uh, first off, I hope you've had a good Christmas and New Year. Two weeks is the longest break we've had from the podcast since we began two years ago. And I thought it was a good time because, as if you have listened to the Christmas special with Chief Shepherdess Zoe Colville and uh, Super Serious Farmer Chris Woodstead, you will hear that I have got a new primary podcast sponsor uh, on, on board. So it is very exciting times for the R2Cast. Scottish Farmer still involved. But now we have a fan rule, and I'm sure throughout our a fan rule insurance, I should say, I'm sure throughout the podcast, I will have a little uh, bit of information here and there about it. Just one last sort of, I won't do this again until Christmas time next year. Uh, thank you again. A year ago, we were at about 6,000 views, and now we're doing that in about seven or eight days. So it's a... Uh, Kind of mad that it took a year to get to 6K and then now it takes about a week. So it's it's um, it's pretty exciting. So thank you to all of you that listen. Thank you to everyone that's been on the podcast. Um, it's been quite the whirlwind. As of this month, we will now go from what was a weekly schedule and what was a year ago, a fortnightly schedule, to uh, still the weekly schedule on the Friday releases with the people in food and farming uh, part of the podcast. And then on every second Monday, we'll be releasing a group podcast, which might be with a society it might be with for example a young farmers club a charity whatever that's where we'll sort of try and showcase the groups and communities that are pushing far, uh, farming forward and um, so yeah it will now be a sort of six or seven upload schedule per month so if you enjoy the podcast which i know some of you do because i was in the top one podcast for 200 people on spotify uh, there's more coming and hopefully we can try and get over that 3,000 minutes of content created this year uh, but enough of my absolute nonsense talking about numbers that nobody cares about uh, today we have and i will use my famous famous saying another interesting guest for our two cast number 74 today we have luke ablett luke would you like to say hello hello how, how are we all doing you all right just before we get started with another episode of the r2 cast i would like to thank our primary sponsors a plan rural a plan rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Very well, it's a pleasure to have you on. Someone that you might recognise if you're listening uh, from Instagram, you might have seen Luke talk about, well, he's one of the most educational social media uh, accounts, I would say. Um, you might it's Down on Daintree Farm, is that right, Luke? Farm, that's the one. Yeah, Down on Daintree Farm. So you may follow Luke over there, um, otherwise known as Farmer Luke. You've got a lot of aliases, actually, now, now I think about it. Uh, <laughs> Because, um, right, Farmer Luke wasn't available when I set it all up. Um, so I thought down on Daintree Farm, because the farm's called Daintree Farm, so I thought down on Daintree Farm's nice. Except on Twitter, it's so annoying because it's out of the character, so I had to drop the down, so it's on Daintree Farm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so annoying. Oh, yeah, you find yourself doing some of these annoying things. And, and one that's quite funny for, for me to mention on that is obviously I'm Rural to Kitchen. I had had, I'd put eight podcasts out uh, at the start. Now, don't get me wrong, they probably had about three views each, but um, I'd put eight podcasts out before I realised my YouTube was called Rural to Kick Then. Uh, so, yeah, it, don't worry no. about it. You're not, you're not the only one. At least you spelled things right. I managed to spell kitchen wrong, which, which was right. No. <laughs> um, look, are you are you from farming? You're also farming at the minute. Tell us about your backstory. Was, was, right. um, 
Yeah. <clears throat> Here we go. Oh, this is all, this is always a great back backstory because I am a ridiculous amount of generation of farmer. The the whole family farms like people don't understand like how big the family is in farming. So my dad's a farmer. If you ever seen me on Instagram and stuff, I call him Farmer Clive. Yeah. Um, my cousin's a farmer as well. If anyone sees me share anything about Tasty Tates, that tends to be them because they do small potatoes and chip chops and stuff. And he's a uh, farm. My brother works on a farm. He works on a sweet corn and pumpkin farm. So that's a lot more interesting than what I do. Um, also, my late uncle farmed. My dad's cousin's farm. He's got three, three cousins that farm. Um, there was another cousin that farms and my other uncle farms as well. So you can see like we've all got separate farms as well. and We're all outlets as well, which makes it even more complicated. Especially I think that was, 11, to- was that 11 people? Something like that, yeah. I could yeah. try to go in my face. I'm just trying to go around my head now to see how many people are involved in the family. Sadly, some have passed away, but like the main, like me and my cousin and dad, still go. And same as and was, um, was your grandfather the first in that line? Uh, I think it might have been three or four grandfathers ago. Oh, really? Dad, yeah, because dad's still got the original family farm, if you right. like, so the original one. And um, I've got a Cambridgeshire County Council tenancy, which yeah. the same as my cousin's got and my uncle had, and my great-grandfather had, and another one of dad's cousins had. <laughs> so, you can see where this is going. Like, when everyone says about, because everyone comes down, and they say, someone knew you, um, so-and-so. It's like, oh, that's my dad's cousins. <laughs> so, is, is there any other uh, Cambridge tendencies by anyone that isn't Ablett? Or is, have you got oh, yeah. <laughs> More or less, they're all, they're all in. So, like, I, guess, I used to get some bills from my cousin come, or... Whenever I ring up to order something, they're like, what's the name again? Ablet, A-double-B-L-I-double-T, and it's L-R, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then just hear them click, and then they go, did you say L-R, or did you say... It's like, yeah, you need to remember that bit, because there's no end of us. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're all something R as well. So my dad's C-R, I'm L-R, Dale's D-R, Uncle Brian would B-R. So, it's, yeah. But anyway, okay. Okay, so anyway, that's, um, that's kind of the family background. So we're entrenched in farming. That's all the kind of new growing up was just agriculture, farming. But yeah. as I just we just alluded to a minute ago, we've had the conversation before, arable farming. <laughs> well, we'll get into that, and I'm quite looking forward to get into that because I will, as I'm sure anyone listening uh, who who knows me well enough will uh, know I'll embarrass myself when we start talking arable. But um, it was it was all you ever knew when you were younger. Was it all you ever wanted to do? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. that was all. and just walking about the yard and just being with dad. Just knew that's what I just wanted to do. The same as me and my brother. It's just so we, I tried to explain this to someone the other day about that's how you knew you wanted to do it, but it's just because it's so ingrained in you, it's just second nature. Like that is your life. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I try to explain it when someone said, What do you love about agriculture? It's like, Well, everything, this is just me. That's what I do. That's what I am. It's just a farm. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. So, yeah. And then growing up, I always knew I wanted my own farm as well. Like I wanted to do, to have my own one, the same as what my cousin done because his dad had a farm. And then he took another farm on so we could farm side by side. So I wasn't, I didn't want to wait for dad to like pass the farm down to me. I started for sure. make my own way, if you know what I mean. And before we get into you making your own way, did you go to ag college or anything like that? Yeah, I went to Moulton at Northampton for a year or two. And then I went on to Milton at Cambridge as well to finish off on a day release. So I could still get some practical experience on farm and stuff like that. So was that like an apprenticeship type thing or yeah, kind of. I wanted to top off. I've not got too much of a degree in agriculture. What have I got? I've got a national diploma in agriculture okay. or something. One of the lower degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that. And then, um, yeah, so that's what I've done at Milton. Yeah. And then finished college between yep. 
finishing college and getting to stage you're at now, at your own bit, as you know, tendency as, as you mentioned, what, what was in between there? Basically, when I was at day release and stuff, I used to work a bit on the farm at home and then I used to go a lot with my cousin and uncle, stacking potatoes most of the winter. That's what I'd done. And then uh, whoever else wanted me, I did a lot of um, potato cart for a couple of local farmers, irrigation with some other people, just seasonal work, like a tractor driver, if you like. I was there. Or a lot of yeah. other stuff that you didn't want to do, like mending roadways, like chucking stone in roadways, like sweeping, hoovering. Very much a start from the bottom kind of guy. Got the worst jobs. Who's going to go in that small tunnel? Luke. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and also what set me on the way as well was um, dad, the back of the house, dad's got an odd shaped field. It's, it's weird in the fence because they're all straight, but there's an odd shaped field that dad's got with like a bit of the bottom. It's about, about an acre, it was about an acre and a half. And we had sugar beet on it, and the harvest didn't have enough room to turn around. So I said, Can I have it potatoes? So that was about, was it about eight? Yeah, I was, I was 18. So I brought a seed of a ton of potatoes, planted them, and then sold them to local chip shops. There was Peace. early, early potatoes. They were um, premier. And look, without getting into too much detail of boring people, the chip shop trade is basically um, like the farmer will sell to a merchant. The merchant will then sell on to another merchant who will then split the bags down and send around these chip shops. Okay. So that merchant will probably have, you know, 20 chip shops, 12 chip shops or whatever that he supplies solely with potatoes. And you see, I used to sneak in there being very sneaky as a young 18-year-old, Del Boy, if you like, and knew that I've only got, I've only got a short shelf life, these potatoes, for probably two, three weeks, and that's it. They're done, they're gone, they're going to go bad. So I used to sneak in before that guy could get in with his early potatoes and sell mine. And because, because the chip shops loved it, they'll buy like half a ton off me or a ton, if you like, to see him yes. through the window before he comes back again. So, yeah, they, they didn't have to stop like buying potatoes off him or offending him because he didn't know that they had like half a ton off me. And I always, <laughs> deliver, always used to deliver on a Friday night because they always used to pay me in cash. I won't name the chip shots because of that. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> and, I always, and then it was just perfect on a Friday night to have the weekend cash in your pocket as a young farmer that I was to go out past you. I was going to say, I'm sure it would win beer, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be questionable nightclubs, <laughs> or um, as a potato farmer, you contributing to the vodka market. Uh, yeah, would be... <laughs> yeah. I think I think I've kept quite a lot of potato farmers in business over my years with that. In fairness, uh, <laughs> what was your local nightclub? Any standouts? Always uh, we always used to go to the the Lion, which is just at the road. Some areas used to be the Horn. Okay, we to, well, actually, as well, we used to start we used to start there, but also as well, my uh, our younger farm days. Everyone's going to love this. We, um, my mate had an old shed, which is a, like a brick building, which is quite rare for the fence. We don't normally have brick buildings because where we are was the last place to get drained. So there's a lot of buildings only about the 1880s, 1890s, the early buildings you could find around this part. Well, apart from Ramsey, because that's that, 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 was in, that was in the Doomsday book. But like, like in our immediate area, if you like, the Wilsey Mere. That's boring. But anyway, we used to have this brick building, it used to be a cow shed, and um, used to, where they used to store the feed for the cow. Well, we converted that. We converted that into our own personal bar. So we built like a brick bar. We had like a dance floor area. Put speakers in there. We used to go cash and carry, or go to Tesco's and go buy a load of booze. And we used to go a light party in there. Sell it a pound of a pound of can used to be. So that's that was, absolutely class. That that was our um, little hoard, if you like. We used to call it the sheds. It's like the shed, but with a Z on the end of it. <laughs> because it's cool, of course. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, tell, tell us about Young Farmers. Tell us about Young Farmers. Young Farmers started again when I was, I was about 13, 14, uh, local club Ramsey. And then um, I was chairman for a good few years, actually, three or four years. And then I went to county and I done county chair. Young okay. Farmers, 
an absolute massive part of my life. Um, I've actually got back into it this last year as well. I'm now president of the Cambridgeshire Young Farmers. Great. So I, I, could, I thought about it and um, I do a lot with the NFU as well. And actually Young Farmers is, I hope you, ho- hopefully the county organiser is not going to hear this because you'll shoot me. But it's a lot, um, it's a lot more fun because you're not on about like what's happening in agriculture at the minute or, or the Ukraine crisis or environment. Sure. Like young farmers just want to have fun. What happened at the weekend? Like they want to do competitions, muck around. So I got back into that, like helping them out doing that. And I really, really enjoy it. Like I like giving stuff back because you don't realise how important young farmers is. Like you think it's an organ, but it teaches you so much. Yeah. Really to like proper life skills, like how to run a meeting. Like I do a lot of AGMs, how to run a meeting, how to organise stuff. Um, like chairmanship again with the NFU just literally speaking to the county um, advisors today about um, vice chairmanships and stuff it's like the same as young farmers I know how the structure works it's the same you know teaches democracy and stuff like that and other skills as well it's, so, yeah. it's, it's absolutely brilliant I mean I, I was someone who, who came from an island that didn't have a young farmers I went away to uni and uh, I was in like the heart of Scottish young farmers in Ayrshire like it <laughs> as someone that's not in Ayrshire anymore and in young farmers I'll be getting slated for saying that I'm sure but <laughs> Uh, certainly one of the main hearts in Scottish uh, SAYFC. And uh, they're always, oh, you've got to come young farmers, you've got to come young farmers. And I was like, oh, it just sounds rubbish. Like, I don't want to it at all. We had like a good group of mates at uni and that was fine. And we sort of had that thing, yeah. But um, yeah, having uh, a short period where I sort of set up young farmers at home where I'm from and, and it, it worked for a while, but didn't it wasn't quite big enough. But where I am now, as you know, where I'm Dumfries, yeah. uh, I've joined Laura Nistel Young Farmers and, I've had the best eight months since I joined. Like I'm learning speech making. I'm learning from yeah. a concert. Like I love it. It's just everything's so much fun. You learn so much about everything. And I mean, I'm in education and agriculture, and still I learn stuff. You know, like it's a, it's brilliant. It really, is good. Oh, um, it's, and once you make those mates for life, like you know people. Like I deal with a lot of people that I went to young farmers with. Yeah. Or, Whenever you mention it to someone like you used to be a young farmer, then all of a sudden they go, well, I was as well. And there's just this instant connection that all of a sudden yeah. seems like you just knew her for years, even though you haven't, because you just you said you're, you used to be a young farmer. It's really weird. Oh, really we're weird. young farmers. Oh, yeah, I met someone from there. Yeah, and then you've, yeah. And then, you, <laughs> oh, and then you start talking about Blackpools. Did you go to that Blackpool? Did you go to that Torquay? Did you go to that AGM? <laughs> I hear Blackpool is brilliant. I've never been, but it sounds oh. good. I reckon we was in the heyday when uh, when did we? I've packed up about 2014. I think was my kind of 26 where it was after that. So yeah, I think uh, I think we was the heyday before that. Like we had some major Blackpool. I think was on the oh Tower Lounge. If anyone's been to Tower Lounge halfway through the AGM, actually packed in there. The floor sticky, and yeah. when you walk outside, like when the sunlight hits you, you're like what's the time? Two in the afternoon. <laughs> 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 outside the door to get in the DJ's playing oh it's yeah mad absolutely well, mad I've maybe got two years left so maybe I will find myself in a black oh you've, you've, you've got you've got <laughs> you've got to get your t-shirt as well you've got to get your, your slogan on the back yeah that's it that's for it for your county and my my slogans actually because I used to come up with the slogans when we was um, when I was a young farmer and I'm pretty sure that for five years running I had my slogans in the Fire Farmers Weekly in the top ten Oh really? No, I'm not ninety nine percent sure I did. I definitely got. That's really cool. You got three or four in there. The best yeah. one was. If I go on a tangent here, do you remember the horse meat scandal kicked off? Obviously, yeah. <laughs> I, the best one I come up with was, you know, you need a bigger tractor when there's more horsepower in your fridge than in your shed. That is amazing. That's brilliant. 
I think there's another one. Want to join Young Farmers? Come and find us, but it'll be written Findus. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I feel like I'm calling out specific businesses there that I might get in trouble. <laughs> we, should, we should move on before they say, right, dodgy ones. <laughs> no, that's it. Sorry, Findus. Uh, no, it said, so what does your role, we're sort of focusing on Young Farmers there, look, what does your role at the minute, you're saying you're chair of, of Cambridge, I didn't hear exactly. Oh, I, I think I'm collecting these like badges at the minute. So... Young Farmers, I'm president of Young Farmers, which I'm really proud of. We're not, the, not the whole Young Farmers, for anyone who jumps, yeah. just, just the local Camishire area. And um, local NFU, um, I am Camishire Town, uh, County Rep Tenant for Camishire. Okay. And I am the local branch chairman of Ramsey and Wilsey, which again, yep. it's not that quite big a deal. And I'm also on a um, committee for Kids Country as well, which is ed- ed- educating kids in school and stuff. Yeah. I think that's all the badges I've picked up recently. Do I pick oh, up? Of, of, yeah, vice, vice president of Eastern Area as well, because I'm president of Cambridgeshire. It's like an honorary role. You do that as well. So that's another badge I picked up the other week. So you're somewhat of a, a scout at the minute with all the badges going along. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to get into the farm, but there's one okay. thing I want you to talk about. You mentioned to me just before we hit record. Uh, well, I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll line you up so you can say it and I don't have to say it. I'm from the Isle of Arran and our hill is about 512 metres above sea level at peak. Now we are probably maybe 100, 150, but you're a bit different to that. Can you tell us about that? A little bit different. I am about two metres below sea level as we speak. I'm in somewhere uh, that's flat that used to be underwater called the Feng. I'm just outside in between Ramsey St Mary's and the ho- and home. I'm right in the middle of there and it's the lowest part in England. So we are t- two metres below sea level. Uh, there's, we do go up to about a metre below sea level in some fields, but there's a little hill. Right. But we are, this, this, I just realised this uh, like recently as well. We were the last place in England to get drained, the Wilsey Mere. It's, it's funny you see a little hill, right? <laughs> when yeah. I worked in Essex, I vividly remember this field, and everyone said, oh, there's a hill in it, just watch yourself. And I was sort of driving, finished the field. And I was like, Trips, where's this hill you're talking about? Like, what field is it? And like, oh, the one we're just in. And I was like, that's a step. That's not a hill. <laughs> that's a hill to us. Like, this place, when I look out, when I look out, honestly, it looks like the American Plains. Has anyone seen that? Like, just yeah. flat, flat, flat for miles. You can see, you can honestly, for miles, because there's no hedges, there's very limited trees here. All yeah. we've got is dikes and ditches and water. <laughs> gorgeous i bet it's lovely though and does that oh. lead flooding or Sorry? does that lead to quite a bit of flooding it can do potentially we have a fantastic drainage system in place here we have the middle yeah. level who keep everything moving quickly so we have ditches and dikes so my dikes will run into a, a district drain no internal drainage board and that'll run into a district drain and that'll get into a river that again pumped out to sea right okay so it's, it's a real connection of like we need to make sure ditches are clean and stuff like that. And going yeah. back to beautiful, the sunsets are amazing because there's you'll no have to send one. Sorry, you have to send me one. Yeah, I will definitely, definitely. Yeah. I'm not caught one yet. I keep, I keep getting to put one on Instagram because it's not, um, it's not educational. <laughs> oh, it doesn't all have to be educational. I started mine being educational and then I post photos of me wearing Santa costumes. So who cares? Um, <laughs> it's all got to be fun. How far are you from the sea then? Uh, we are about 60 miles right, from, okay. right. from Stanton, something like that, 60, 70 miles, yeah. something like that. Right, got you. And it's, so tell us about the farm, tell us about the farm. Ah, 
So the farm, here we go. So I always knew about the Cambridgeshire County Council because my cousin had one, my uncle has one. We've just been through that. So um, one come up to let, because every year there's some come up to let. The Cambridgeshire County Council is the biggest landlord in the country. They ha- we have like 290 farm or tenants on the estate. So it's really biggest county council owned estate. Um, so that come up for, one come up for rent just out of St Mary's, which is where I am now, put in for it. Um, done the paperwork. There is cash flows. There is business projections. There's your SWOT analysis. All this kind of, you know, amounts of paperwork to do to apply mm-hmm. the application process. There was about 49 applicants for the farm at the time and i got down to there's a first round which is the um the first interview stage if you like i got through to that where they whittled us down to i think it was eight or six one of the two and um, that's when they picked up on everything the cash flow picked them apart there's three people like interviewing if you like they go right. through the, what you plan to do you know a bit about knowledge there's a few questions about you know just really feeling you out to see if you know what you're on about and what you put in the application was actually you done it not someone else done it you know so i got through that stage and then I got to the second interview, which is down now down to two people. Um, this is where it gets a bit more, not kind of weird or such, but I can remember walking in and there's just when the X Factor was on, the X Factor just kicked off. And there's a table in front of me and there's four people sat there. And I walk in and I went, oh, don't press your button yet then until you hear me. I was like, oh, I should have said that. So there's the top of the council. There's a couple of councillors there. And then there's the Cambridge here. The leader of the Cambridgeshire County Council is there as well, and there's the farm bloke. And I didn't really honestly think, because just because my cousins that were on the estate did honestly not mean I was going to get that tenancy. I didn't get a tenancy passed down to me. This is a totally new farm. So that actually, funny enough, my cousin had an argument with him the week before, so that was going to go against me, if anything. (laughs) So So just quickly, did the buzzer thing not go your way then? Did they not take that well? (laughs) One person laughed. (laughs) Tough crowd. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The questions were tough as well because it wasn't what I was expecting. I polished up on my figures. I polished up um, everything I could think of. They never asked me a thing about my application. It was all... Oh, really? Yeah, no. It was, um, how can I combat climate change? This is in 2011. And this is when stuff were really not really... You know, Regen Ag wasn't on my radar or nothing around here was about yeah, it. Yeah. So I just, you know, cut down tillage and stuff like that. It was the first thing I thought of. And another one they asked me is, what can I bring to the Cambridgeshire County Council? And I was like, what an odd question. So what can I say? What can I say? Two rent checks a year? <laughs> that went down. Like, one of the blokes, like, like, the patch officer laughed. He's like, he's whispered something to the next bloke, which I think was, got you there or something. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a great idea. <laughs> but I must have impressed them because they rung on the Friday night at five to five. So I didn't think right. I got it. And he said, you would like to offer you the tenancy of Daintree Farm. So that was a monumental moment for me. That I'm just all of a sudden now a farmer in my own just right. Just quickly, look, when was that? That was oh, that was 2011. I was only 2011. 21. Yeah, that's young. Very I was 21. Young. I'm very young. Yeah. I was the youngest person they gave a tenancy to at that stage until I got got beaten by someone by three, three or four days, I think. And that, oh, really? It's <laughs> <laughs> really sticking to you that one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. How long was the tenancy, or is, uh, I guess? Original tenancy was for 184 acres um, for five years. Right. That's what it were. And then, because the, the holding I went for was 320 acres, that's how much this holding is. So, right. but the cost so young, they cut it down and rented it three years on a three-year tenancy to someone else who just had tailors beat and some other high-value crops on it. 
So that kind of half annoyed me because I like the rotation potatoes every 10 years. But anyway, so um, got the tenancy. Um, after three years, I got the extra land back. So right. I got it back. So we're now was up to 320 for the five years. And then I rene- then you have to renegotiate tenancy again. And I managed to get 15 years, which is proper good. I've done some good negotiation. Yeah. So I'm here for another 15 years. And that, that would have been, what, three years ago? Yeah, three years ago, about yeah. that, yeah. We have quite a lot of folk on here, you know, looking for tenancies, got tenancies, whatever. I mean, originally when I started this podcast, it was to try and show the jobs there is in farming for people getting it. And uh, uh, the the running narrative, whatever you want to call it, is they're gold dust. It's bloody impossible to get them. Did you find that or did you find you were quite lucky? I I was very very lucky, but I, I sound like I sound so boring because I can sound like so corporate. But the Cambridgeshire County Council, like I said, is the biggest landlord, so they have four or five holdings up a year to let. So yep. I'm really lucky that Cambridgeshire was one of the the one of the counties that didn't sell their the holdings off in the was it the mid nineties when everyone sold them off. Ah, okay. like, yep. um, my uncle's actually had a few. Um, county chairman he was trying to fight for to keep the county farms but yeah i think most of them got sold off around then so right. there so actually tenancies in cambridgeshire if you want a tenancy cambridgeshire it's the county council you've got to look for you've got house dwellings you know all in if you like and if you look for private tenancies it's hard even me now bidding for land even though i've been established for over 10 years right. it's still hard for me to bid for land to get any to go to progress any further because the amount of money you need now to rent land is ridiculous it really is. And I take it buying is just off the table entirely. Everything around here is grade one arable soil. Yeah. We're talking, you know, at the minute, I know the price has slipped. There's been some land days that shoot me. What we're looking at, seven to nine grand an acre. I mean, yeah, somewhere. It's the basic, but if I, to like, so yeah. I mean, that's at the moment. So yeah. I mean, that can go up and down depending on what's going to happen. But yeah, so buying land, if I were 300 acres, I've not got a couple of millions sitting about. Oh, really? Nothing. No, no. <laughs> If, if I have a spending on something, something else, maybe. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, tenancies are always interesting. And it was really interesting there for you to go through the process, what was involved in that sort of thing. Um, mm. Tell us about the actual farm. A lot of people that come on this podcast, a lot of people that listen are from beef and cheap farms and uh, hear about is Scottish blackface and such like. So tell <laughs> us about uh, what is on your farm. Right, so the farm is 320 acres. It is a ring fence farm. So all my fields are together in this holding. I pick some other ones up on the way. But that is amazing because everyone, my dad's farm, we've got fields everywhere. We've got one or two bits here, there, and everywhere. So we have got two fields that are linked. So, as I was, so having a farm that I can go from one field to the next field with a combine was just mind blowing. So we're flat. So we mentioned the ditch of the dikes and system and that splits them all up. We grow wheat, uh, barley, potatoes, oilseed rape. Um, we've got some spring barley this year. I've dabbled in millet as well. I've had a go okay. at that. I've grown, I've grew that. Um, what else are we growing? Yeah, that's what I got. Oh, I grow some. I did grow some celery as well at one point. I only used what to was that? Celery. I grew some celery. Fen- All right. Celery. That was a, that, that was in a bit younger days. I used to push them around with my um, potatoes. So it used to be a Christmas market for that. So I used to send them out and just get them, get them people like market stalls if you like. So no, sorry, on you go. Sorry. Now, I was going to say, Fenland celery is not self-bleaching, so you plant it, and then when it starts growing, you need to keep heaping the soil up, a bit like potatoes, to keep the sunlight off it. 
Right, okay. And it's like a, it's a little bit different to normal celery. It's got like a nuttier taste. Right. So I used to, the one. So, used to sell, so used to sell that as well, because I like the Fenman celery, I like the Fenman where we are. So yeah, that's all so, prices off. The, it, it's, I mean, when we talk arable, we've all heard wheat, barley and whatnot. I always like to ask the random questions. But um, first off, millet, tell us about it. What's involved in the process? What, what's the sort of market there? Well, millet, now my idea behind millet, if people want to know, was all seed rape wasn't doing very well. I had to rip a couple of fields up. So that was getting a bit more of a gamble than what I wanted. The potatoes are already of a gamble as they are. So I didn't want another crop that I was going to be like, you know, spend the money on, realise I'm going to grow, have to take it out again. I need bread and butter crops like my wheat and barley that I knew was in the same bank and sugar beet as well. Don't mention I grow sugar beet. No, no, I didn't no, no. Yeah, you said it earlier, fairness, yeah. I should think about that because, they, because they're currently in the factory as you speak. Um, so yeah, we've got... Um, <laughs> So yeah, so I wanted something that's a bit more of a guarantee. And I looked, I Googled literally what crops to grow. And I went through, we looked at quinoa, we looked at canary grass, you name it, we looked at it. And I settled on millet because millet was drilled around uh, the end of April, May time. Literally grow wherever you chuck it, it'll grow. Gravelly soil, loves it. Um, it goes for bird feed. Fat, you know those fat balls you see in the supermarkets? supermarkets oh, yeah, yeah. It goes to make that. So we started growing, I've had millet for three years. Um, in the end, we're not growing it now simply because it just started messing about with the potatoes because the, they combine it like October time. So when we're right. trying to harvest potatoes, oh, I've got to stop the suns out. Oh, I've got to get the combine out. Right, here we go. <laughs> and then it got a stage where we weren't putting the combine away properly because we had to go straight back into tailoring. So it's got a bit complicated. Plus, plus as well, I've only got three sheds down here. I can't use one because it's a potato store and it's foamed. I've got yeah. another one that's um, like a very short-term stalk. I need that for a workshop and to put seeds and other stuff. So I've got one real shed that I can store wheat in or any other crop. I can't mix the crops. So I can only store 10 load of wheat in there. So what's that? That's um, about 300 tonne. So okay. this is a logistical nightmare when it comes to stuff like this. So yeah, that, that, that was another reason why we had to dump the millet as a storage because they wanted it after Christmas. So it's trying hard to try and find where to store it. But yeah, really, really good crop to grow. Really cheap. If you're looking for something in the rotation, definitely look at look at millet. Sounds very versatile. But what when you mentioned the rotation there, what is there any diseases that are hitting, for instance, wheat barley that are hitting it as well, or not really? Is it sort of its own thing? No, not really. No, no I do like I like a um, a good crop rotation, and I try not to follow. Uh, rape can't follow sugar beet. I try and keep that four or five years apart. Right. If I can. It's not because of the um, neonics that people think it is. It's actually because there. I can't remember. There is a nematode that doesn't like it at all. They don't mix very well. So you have got to make sure you keep keep them apart anyway. Potatoes, ten years. I like to keep ten years apart from potatoes. Some people do five. I like more because I don't like using um, an emaphorine because there's a, a there's a potato cyst that builds up in the soil if you heavily potato it. Okay. You the chemical A that's expensive and B it's not too good for the soil anyway. So yeah. I try and avoid using that. And so, and that was the, called, what sorry, look, that was what was the the problem there? Uh, if you grow potatoes too close together, there's a yeah. system that in the soil. There is, yeah, yeah. There, there, there is a chemical you can use, but it's very expensive. You need certificates to put it on. Your machinery needs to be calibrated and stuff like that. Yeah. So I know that's irregular, but that's just another cost that I don't need on top of the already <laughs> mounting costs of the potatoes. So I try and use. I try and that's why I try and keep the rotation so far apart just to stop that that kind of need necessary building up the soil. Is 10 years common? That seems a lot. Mm, fairly. I mean, five right. years is 
they reckon. Some people do seven. It all just depends how much you can, you know, you can get round if you like in your so I, I that's why I only grow such a small acreage of potatoes. I grow about 20 acre. Right. Now that's all my shed will hold as well. You've got to remember I've got to store them all. If not, we're putting in pies pits, the old the old way could get frozen. And also as well, the money involved in planting potatoes is ridiculous because of the money you get back. If anyone's watched on social media like a few months ago, I was begging people to buy potatoes because there was absolutely no trade. Yeah. So most people do. Cousin goes for six or seven years. Some people do 10, even more of that. Another bloke, he does five and that's it. So personal preference really is. Yeah. And I guess I'm going to give you a similar question that I gave you about millet with celery. What What's the the calendar of celery? What's involved? I'm going to be honest here. I don't even know what you use to harvest celery. Uh, oh, um, so this is back alongside my potatoes. So we had potatoes, if you like. Um, so celery is planted in July, fed celery, and it was um, harvested just before Christmas, Christmas week. It's the best time to get it out there on the market. Yeah. I grew a, a, like a couple of rows of it. I knew, again, short, short like I need to get around the market stalls, need to get people to sell it for me. Instead of having my own market stall with it, I used to sell to people who'd done, done it anyway. Right, so, yeah. yeah, so we used to plant in July, keep earthing up through the year, and then dig it by hand again with a fork, because that's how you used to do with potatoes. Um <laughs> in just christmas just for christmas week and get rid of it all right and is, is there a christmas market for celery because i'm unaware of that yeah there used there? to be yeah there used to be a thing that's when um i grew that way back in before i got the farm so there must have been pre-2011 yeah so there was a massive thing especially in the 70s and 80s a real big crop around here my uncle used to grow some as well it used to be like a christmas tree if you like having fenland celery it's a, it's a separate like it's not just celery it's, it's a fenland celery I generally didn't know that. I'll yeah. have to try fending celery because I'll be honest, I will eat just about anything. And I will eat celery, but it is not near the top of my list. So I'd quite like to try this sort of slightly nuttier one you mentioned. I think of this, I've not seen it for a while, but it must still be out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite cool. Yeah, it's just, I'll, I'll, like, you know, I, I um, you haven't seen enough of me look to realise that I'm quite portly and food is definitely high on the list of mine. Uh, <laughs> Christmas, normally I've tried just about everything that's on offer and celery has never been one that's been high on that list. So that's great. Here, here, learn something new every day. Learn something new every day. <laughs> um, mentioned sugar beet. Again, I'm going to ask you the same thing. What market are you selling sugar beet into uh, and, and what's the sort of calendar of that as well? Now, sugar beet <laughs> is one of them crops that people are going to cringe at and say, I can't be still grow that or yeah, I'm still in it. Uh, way back when I was a lot younger, they used to, oh, sugar beet used to be like a major crop round here going back to granddad's time, dad time. And then it really went down because you can only grow in a quota system. So mm-hmm. when dad used to grow it, you had to buy quota to do it. So you had yep. to buy the quota to allow you to grow sugar beet. We say it direct to British sugar itself. Yep. Rather sugar, it goes back on a contract to British sugar. So my quota is, is I've upped it this year, actually, uh, just over 2,000 tonne. So I grow about 2,000 oh, quoted. Oh, still quoted. Yeah, still quoted. Right. Still yeah. You still need to quota it, but the thing that used to be when dad used to grow, he used to have to buy it quota, and then it dropped down to ridiculous like 19 pounds a ton, I think it was. And then the quota system just went because no one was growing it, no yeah. one was buying quota because why they're going to spend money on buying <laughs> dad? Dad come out of it and he sold all his quota for 32 pounds a ton, which is more than what we get in sugar beet. And he never looked back, he's never grown it since. But then I this holding come with quota, you see, so I held on to it, and then they didn't, you, you don't buy it anymore, you just up it to. Different bits on the forms. I don't know. I've got the beat fills when I fill it in for me. And he, um, so anyway, so I'm up by, by acreage. So we're about 200 tons. We grow it straight to British sugar to silver spoon. 
I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification. Right, okay. No, that's, that's another interesting. Yeah, I've, 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 one thing I love this podcast is speak to folk from different places, different cultures, whatever, and growing different things. And uh, I think you've ticked off about three things I've never spoke to anyone about. So, celery and millet, definitely. I think I might have a sugar beet to one person, but you also mentioned earlier you googled what you could grow. Yeah, and one of the quinoa, quinoa, whatever the answer the word is. Um, and just a little plug for our podcast, in two episodes, we're going to have Emily Adicott-Sauvois, I don't know how you say her name, who I believe is certainly one of the very few quinoa uh, producers in Britain. So in two weeks' time, uh, for those of you listening, if you want to hear someone that is producing quinoa, we will have that story coming your way. Um, mm-hmm. Just a little side one for you, Luke, you might be interested yourself. Uh, oh, well, we'll probably end up growing it next year, I hear what she says. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, it might be going well, yeah. Yeah, well... <laughs> Emily, if I've caused you some competition, I apologise. Uh, <laughs> I've got no yeah. competition battling. <laughs> if you see me and Dad work, there's no, there's no competition. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> um, you mentioned there was a struggle with OSR. I'm going to guess that was establishment. Yeah, establishment. Yeah. A lot of it, like, it's just an absolute nightmare it was when we lost um, the delegation for it. It's come yeah. back. Yeah, like it now I think now there's a shock when it went. It's like there was nothing in the system to, to make up for it. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't a plan. There wasn't a plan B. It's like, right, we just got no seed treatment. What do we do? We're still gonna plant in the same way. Yeah. There was yeah. basically until now we're a bit further down it. I'm backing it again because now we worked out like little things like putting cover crops in or just leaving the stubble a bit a bit higher, put it in sooner. All this kind of thing happens. I've got the best rape I've ever seen at the minute. Oh, have you? Well, we, yeah. Yeah, we just drilled it later. Like, I don't yeah. know whether that's, you know, it's, it's all a bit of a gamble, but like at the minute, I'm feeling more positive about growing it in the future than what I did like a few years ago, if you like. For sure. And I think for those of you listening, guys, we're talking about the problems with establishment in OSR. I'm going to pass a question over to Luke because you might have no idea why we're talking about it. It was a massive problem for a few years. What, what was the problem with establishment? Uh, it was, we lost um, a chemical that treats it called um, neonicotinoids. Which is actually on sugar beet as well, but we lost that, um, which stops the stem flea beetle, beetle and some other beetles basically nibble it off when it's younger. Yeah. But then there was a bit of a derogation, a bit of to and fro with um, laws, lawmaking, parliament and stuff that it kills bees. So that we sadly lost on also rape because rape, uh, also rape is actually a flowering crop. So there's no way the bees won't probably be affected. Whereas sugar beet we lost it on because we lost it all, but sugar beet is not a flowering crop. Yeah. Bees don't eat the flower, the, 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 the sugar beet. We got it back this year because of the, um, I've just forgot what the thing that eats sugar beet off. But anyway, that was very, very high. So we've got the delegation back on it. And it's yeah. interesting, we've got bee survey going on on the farm. So it'll be interesting to see if that's actually made any difference whatsoever to the bee population. Yeah. Last time she texted us and said she's never seen so many bees going like down a roadway. And that was near the where the beet was. So, but then there's there, if we use it, there's other stuff. You can't have a flowering crop after it. So it's all like it's all laws. Again, you know, for using it and stuff, we've got to be careful. So if the problem was bees, which I'm sure we all agree need to be protected, but yeah. you know, if that was the problem, 
I'm guessing that was with physically spraying. Would there not be a way, you mentioned seed treatments earlier, is there not a way they can treat the seed itself or is that not doable? No, that's what got banned, was, was the actual seed treatment. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, because it emits, it emits like a bit of a um, aura around it, if you like. Ah, okay. It's going to get it. But there was some rumours that the um, the science behind it was a little bit flawed because they just sprayed a bee directly with the chemical. Or like, so, of course, it's the same with like, if you drink bleach, it's not going to end nicely, is it? No, it's not. Of course, it's not. But, that's, that's, but that's a flawed experiment, that, yeah, that was that was some of the rumours behind it. I don't know. As, as a European Union, was like, I I don't know. It's a bit. I don't know why this. Thing, that's see. That's the problem sometimes. Without getting too political or boring, but you're not a hundred percent sure what's gone on. Why is this got stopped? Because there's so many rumours as well that this this is like a massive big boys club. If you vote for this, I'll vote for that. Like scratch. So actually, they're not thinking of the general population. It's only yeah. what they're in their little room, if you like. But then it's all us lot who have to deal with it. Like I had, um, yeah. had um, without getting on, we're probably going to talk about this later, but I've done a school talk and it was some older kids and I showed them crop rotation and it had ELS on it. And they're like, what, what's ELS? And I was like, well, entry level scheme is such a call the mid-tier now. You know, this is what we do for it. That's it. So like, well, why did they change the name? It's like, because the different people got in power and they're like, do you know what? We're going to do something different. And they're like, well, that's stupid. And I was like, you need to figure out that you, the more you like, um, go with them you're all going to have people that don't know what they're doing telling you what to do yeah so it's the same with it's the same with your teachers say about the government system now with michael gove i think was in at the time for schools or whatever she's like yep never never taught kids in their life but they're making the legislation and tell us how to teach there's uh, the, the boys club thing you see is interesting i mean <laughs> anyone that knows me that's listened to this podcast is thinking wallace is about to po- talk politics and he barely knows who the prime minister is and that's true oh no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm genuinely oh let's trust just went out i genuinely can't remember who it is that's terrible anyway i don't know politics i'm really bad at it who is the prime minister at the minute uh-huh. it's not johnson again is it did he get I, back in? No. I don't want to comment just in case it's changed. <laughs> it keeps changing on a weekly basis. That's, well, that's it. That's terrible. I generally don't know. But <laughs> my point Rick, is... What's that? Rick, Ricky Sunak. Yes, so it is Sunak. That's oh. it. Ricky Sunak. That's it. God, I, well, here, I'm proving my point. I literally do not know this. But the, the thing I always thought... I, I, remember, I can't remember the exact titles, but I do remember um, when you mentioned Gove there, Gove got made the environment minister, or whatever the word is. Yeah. Whatever. Was he not like some kind of other secretary before? Basically, just he caused a problem that he couldn't be in this one, so let's put him here. Yeah. Person here, but that's sort of how it works, and it seems all a bit mad. But it does because people make rules up that they don't know about, like the health sector. Yeah. We never we visit a hospital, goes sees rolled up, tie tucked in. Yes, hello nurses, la la la. We're going to change the system when you go back to make it even more difficult for you. And the same, yeah. like I say, you've got people making, um, I don't get too political because I don't really know, the same as you, don't know much about it. But like outside of you, they've got people who don't even not been on a farm before. They're <laughs> making legislations. It's like, I'm a firm believer in if you don't know about it, don't say about it. Absolutely. Yeah. About it. Like it's the same, I tell you one, my big bugbear is people that say, don't do it that way, right? I won't do it that way. Which way should I do it? Well, I don't know, but I know you're doing it wrong. Or yeah. I know that's not right. You're like, mm-hmm. well, no, I'm quite happy to listen to you. If you give me an alternative, like I'm a very, I like 
I take advice from other people. You know, I, I make my own decisions, but I like listening to all the advice I can and then pick like my own way for like and pick, pick bits and pieces. I yeah. don't like people who, who want to comment on something but don't want to follow up with anything. That annoys yeah. me. I, and, it, and there's a lot of that. I mean, I, I love like, I mean, I speak to a couple of people a week these days doing this and I love like hearing, oh, so for example, how do you grow celery? You know, like this question here and there and, and learning about all that sort of thing. And if someone wants to come to me and say, even from an interviewer perspective, you should do this. Tell me, shout at me. I want to learn new things. But you're so right when they say you can't do this. All right, sound, but give us some kind of example as yeah. to how we can progress then. And there's just nothing, and that's such a that is such a common thing, yeah, absolutely. And that's at the yeah. minute was that seems what we've been hitting a wall in agriculture for the last year or two. Yeah, when I when I do that anymore, fair enough. Yes, near nicks again. Yep, yeah, yeah, bees. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, if you don't want us to do it, I won't do it. Right, what can we do? Yeah, nothing. You must nothing. leave. <laughs> yeah, so there's nothing in place. So that's I think that's why it was such a big thing, especially for me. Again, being an arable boy, that's what sticks in my mind because there was no alternative. Yeah. There wasn't. You can talk about the research and stuff, but again, it's like no one actually come up with a definitive answer. Like this will work. There was loads of research into it. There's loads of people that said that we're crazy not to do it this way. But then you got to watch some of them as well because I had this again with someone who was on about he couldn't believe farmers didn't do something a certain way. And I was like, yes, but you know why, don't you, mate? Because we're planting our own money in this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're getting paid to research this. I'm actually trying to make money out of this. Yeah. I can't mean they're trying to sell some magic potion chemical and stuff. But anyway, <laughs> I digress again. Sorry. Speaking, speaking of magic potions, uh, this year uh, a lot has happened, but fertilizer has went through the roof. How's that impacted you? Have you changed practices or have you just had to go for it and take that? Big big time we have i've cut down a lot obviously we're getting away with the bare minimum we had this year whatever happened it was something worked everything just clicked together and we managed to get decent yields decent yields right. for touching four ton an acre in places yeah. but well over that i was looking for i was actually looking for somewhere to put the wheat that's when you know you've got too much that's good. So anyway, that's good. i had to go higher to the shed off somewhere but anyway so i cut down on that potatoes again there's such a, I know I keep coming back and the, someone's going to go, was boring in potatoes, but I can't tell you how much they're a pain from the moment you put them in the ground to the moment you get them in the shed. And even then they get really bad in the shed. You really start yep. to worry. So they're on that lorry and you've got that check. Because even when they're on the lorry, potatoes have a, have a nasty habit of coming back to the farm because <laughs> they're wrong. So <laughs> they're absolute. So I only go 20 acres, but again, you're looking at fertilizer. You know, we put, we put nearly, well, I've changed my third practice, but for instance, if we put about 900 kilos of base on, I mean, when you add that on, we start to add up with the nitrogen and stuff you put on them. So we're looking at, I think I got through my cousin, for instance, he puts half an hour. So he puts 900 kilos a uh, hectare on the third. That's yeah. 10, 20, four, I can't remember, it's 10, 20, 40, something, or 20. Someone's going to shout at me. I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get the numbers confused. I've got stuff written down, so I'd have to remember. That's just your phone, your phone. Don't worry. <laughs> Did anyone? Um, so yeah, so that I had to buy because that was me seven hundred quid. I used DAP, which is the stronger stuff. But I used half of it, so I only put one hundred and seventy-five on. But when right. I seven pound a ton, and I think that's still, I think that's got one in front of it again. So I'm not that's well. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's still up there. So I've got to find that. You see, so that was a big, big cost. And diesel as well. When I was planting potatoes, <laughs> that oh that that was nearly up to was it. 130 or 140, I think it was at one point. Yeah, did, did red diesel hit 150 in that June boom? 
I think I'm, it did. I'm positive I remember it. It might have been a day or so, but I'm positive I remember it. Definitely brought some for nearly £1.30 a litre. Because my husband before he started at 98. And I held off because I wanted to fill up the tank. Like, I wanted to drain <laughs> it a bit more. And I'm £1.30, the worst time of the year as well, because again, the tail and ready so heavy tractor orientated. Yeah. So we're burning, we burn like 300 litres of tractor a day. So we've got four on the go. Like well, that's not that, what? That's, no, it's not. It's 450 quid a day. Yeah. Oh, the fuel. Yeah, geez, man. Yeah. So that's why everyone keeps whinging about their potatoes. Well, why do you keep on about them? Because don't think people give them enough credit to how much stress they cause, like me and other people. I feel like a lot of people will be asking this question as as we're as we're speaking here. Like, why do you keep doing them then? Because they can make you a fortune. Like when you're when you're when you're a farmer, <laughs> yeah. you're a professional gambler. Yeah. Like every year is going to be better next year. You just can't stop because you know that the moment you stop doing it, because they could be worth they could be worth four hundred, five hundred pound a ton, and when you get twenty tons an acre, yeah, you're major money quickly but ultimately you could be dumping them because and, they're not and what's the sort of what's when how often is that 400 pound and and how often is dumping it comes every few years i think the last 400 pound a year i definitely got one in 2011 because that's the first year i started like farming. oh really oh this is easy just keep this every year. Pound a year they come around quite readily for probably they're getting less and less they used to come around about every five years in four to five years, you used to have this real big tail year. And then you could tell when it was a big tail year. Everyone around here, everyone has to go and buy new tractors. To kind of yeah, get rid of. Right, yeah. I've never bought a new tractor yet. So you know when my 400 pound a year is going to come. But there's always that potential that's going to reach you. And the, the year you stop growing it, that's it's it. Year. No, absolutely. I, get, I totally get that. Also as well, you've got the equipment there. You just do, Again, it's coming back to the what do you do? If you're not growing potatoes, you don't feel like a potato farmer, if you know what I mean. It's mm-hmm. what you're always done. People cut down acreages next year because of the costs involved. I mean, I've I've cut down a bit as well. We've only got 14 acres this year because the cost of mm-hmm. seed, fertiliser, everything else. And uh, my bloke that I know, he normally grows about 250 acres. He's dropped down to 100 because okay. of the cost. Yeah, a lot of people are dropping acreage of them. They're not coming out of it completely. They dropped it because the cost of the money to, you know, to grow them and to keep them as well. Yeah. But a lot of potatoes are kept in cold stores, which are, mine's not. I mean, I'm in a warm store because I haven't got a refrigerator user like most people but they're going to be if we're not careful the electric's going to be worth more than what the potatoes are mm. so yeah. a lot of people got rid of them early so they don't want the electric built Just ev- everything is through the roof at the minute and it leads me to a question um, we, we all know that potatoes are as volatile as, as anything comes really as you've just said but a bit more stable are your cereals what sort of prices are you seeing a ton for wheat and barley roughly this year and it's obviously changing but most I've ever sold a ton of wheat for, but most I've ever sold was 190. That was again the second year of farming, and I touched. I haven't got for, for feed wheat, it was two or well, low grade million 270. A lot of people got over the 300 pound mark. Wow, but you think that's brilliant now. But I sold the last load I sold the two, like literally for Christmas, were 252, and right. that's now. Rock back to I haven't even dare run the girl back because I know it's just over two hundred. Oh, so really? yeah, you can see the the the, the two seventy we hit for November. I sold that in September, I think it was. Just kept going up. Like after I sold a load of wheat. So this is the thing everyone thinks you're in like this year's harvest. If you reach three hundred pound a ton, you're in the money. No, because practices is we start selling 
we sell wheat before it's actually in the shed. So I sold wheat this year for next harvest. So I was selling wheat at 160, then I sold a load for 178. And I was like, hello, this is this is this is all right. I'll have a couple more at 180. That's not bad at all. That was in uh when was that? That must have been December time. And then literally the next day, Mr. Putin invaded the Ukraine and it went to 220. 240 to city just kept going up and up and up and i was like i've sold way too much already i can't sell anymore can't get over trade myself so everyone thinks they made major money this year there's a lot of farmers who didn't because they sold early Aye. because what we normally do we need to get we need to get um you know stuff in the on the books if you like so you know you sold it to move it and stuff but that's the and the barley as well i've never sold feed barley i, I think i reached 110 i mean most i mean that reached well over 200 pound a ton 230 Wow, yeah. it's over double, over double, right? Never got that before, but, but everyone... fertilizers three times. You know, every much diesel, much landlord wants a bit more because the prices are going up. Yeah, all the other are going up. Plus, as well, people are not, they're not shifting as well. Stuff's not shifting. I can sell it, but I just can't get it moved. So mm. my wheat was going for making a low grain milling. That's mixed it with higher, better stuff to make bread because I've got big grains, but the protein wasn't particularly too, so it makes a nice little mix, if you like, in it. So, so low-grade milling, so I, I, I was always under, understanding, are you talking like biscuits and such, like, or are you talking like still bread quality, just yeah, still, quality, yeah, still, still level one, is it? Yeah, still still bread quality. It goes yeah. to make bread, but I'm not sure. They, they call it a low miller. This, again, yeah. beyond, well, I don't know, as long as I get the check in the glory easy yard. No, for sure, absolutely. It's just, yeah. Bye-bye. It's, it's, it's interesting to know, but I'm not going to, cry about it they go and you know do something else with it but um then all of a sudden it didn't make the grade they didn't want it so i had to sell it as feed okay. feed wheat, which goes into animal feed like pig feed a little bit of cow feed um chicken feed a lot of it goes to that market's gone because the avian flu the people aren't buying it like down on birds so i've got wheat in the shed now which is really getting harder to move at the minute and the same with barley as well that slowed right up because getting right. molten barley down here especially on the black fens, quite difficult because we've got such high nitrogen content. I've only hit malting barley once. And is that was under 1.85%. Yeah, that's a bit like that, yeah. And I go well over it. I've only got one yeah. ever done because that was on a stonier, heavier sandy field. And luckily right. enough, I've got an example off the, lot, off the lorry, the right place. But a lot of this stuff is done on the tiniest of sample bags off a 30-ton lorry. And that's yeah. what we get paid on. So they test the moisture just off that little bag they picked up. All the screenings and stuff else they're not going to pay for, the proteins and everything else, just off that tiny bag of 30, 30 ton. And when you say you disagree with it, they don't want to know. <laughs> they're like, no, we've done the sample. And I tell you what the thing is that annoys me the most is when we get screenings, which are bits of um, straw, if you like, and chaff and stuff like that in the sample of wheat, for instance, they use um, a sampling stick, which has a hoover on the end of it. So they put it in the lorry. Well, I swear it's going to pick that up before the greens. Yes. It? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But this is a big, this is something that, that annoys me. It's like, of course you're going to get the screen, is it? Because you're using a hoover. But again, it's something that's not really been. I did not know that. Is it 2% screenings? Something like that. I can't remember the contract says. No, I, I, I do teach this stuff, but I always, there's, there's so many different percentages. Yeah, everywhere's same kind of spear that's made from some different company. I can't remember the company. It's normally a red one. Have you seen them? Like a little robot arm. Yeah, yeah. And of course, they've run by Hoover. They suck the wheat up. So of course, you're going to get by not careful. Or the or like, or like they're low bushel weight. It's like yes, because the bigger ones are at the bottom. Or like not. Yeah. That's, that's 
yeah, that's so annoying that you get like that, that's what we get paid on that little bit of back that we're just going. I think everyone knows about how we got rejections and stuff like that. And they're like, we'll resample the lorry. And if you can get into resample the lorry, nine times out of ten, there's a different result. You're like, right. That's so yeah, it really is. It's such a it's so weird. I've done a I've done a um video like how we actually sell crops, but I never got into like the actually how do we actually sell them and how they go. Like you said yeah. about the wheat, nobody realizes all of a sample. So that one little sample is what we get paid on. Um, I knew it was a sample. I thought it would have been like, you know, seven samples from no the normally the, the standard is I'm gonna get shy because people know a lot more about this, but, but the standard is about three samples off the lorry, like three little samples that's in a bag no bigger than a sandwich bag. No, it's tiny, I know the bag you mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then they test when they test it for moisture, it's only what, like a little teaspoon worth of wheat in, in oh, the food. It's not that big a sample either. So if you sample it again, you're going to get a different moisture again. Yeah. Moisture is a massive thing for us, moisture claims. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. They, they always find something. This year's claim was, because it's too dry, I, I, it, it wasn't with my merchant that I, that, that, that I like, because there's a lovely girl I deal with. Um, she, um, They found it, it was too hot. The barley was too hot. That was a new claim. And I got knocked a pound of, was it a pound a, pound a degree or something? The most a, pound, a pound a degree, a pound a degree like, per ton. I take it. Yeah, I got wow. knocked. You always get we call them knocks. You all get deductions. And I don't. Yeah, it is. There's more or less. There's some firms that you know are worse than others. I've sent lorry loads out of the same shed, and I've sold two to someone else, and two to someone else, and the two that are sold to a person, there's always a claim on it. B's gone straight through. But if if you're two degrees off, whatever it was, too hot, whatever, yeah. you know, that's that's knocking on 50 quid a hectare. Yeah, the 50 quid a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's That's and they, mental. And they started as well. I know that some people say they got rejected because it was too hot. So oh, when you get rejected from a place, you've got to go and find somewhere else for it to go. And nine times out of ten, you've got to have it, like, they'll take it somewhere else and, of course, get it dried or cooled and you have to pay for that. Or they'll bring it back to the farm. It's like, what can I do with that? And you've got to pay the haulage back on it. It's quite a, this is the worst thing about farming is I hate, I hate that bit. I absolutely hate it. If you come down and buy something off, like they come down, take a sample. Yeah, well, brilliant. Yep. We'll, have, we'll have that, we'll buy that. How much? You know, make a bid, you know, you, you, you sell it. It goes away. And then all of a sudden, no, we get it somewhere. It's, it's not what we <laughs> want. Got to come back again. It's like, no, 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 no. You brought it. Your problem. I want my check. But you'll, you know you'll I mean? struggle to go back on your agreement, I'm sure. You can be like, yes. oh, well, all that stuff is sold for 180. Give us the 240 it's worth now. That's yeah, no, it's worth more now. I don't want it. I'll have it back. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, people, people who did sell, 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 um, they did, I did have a problem with the 161. I can't remember what the claim were on that now. But anyway, I was literally said, I'll have it back. Because I know that if I have it back, the haulage on the way back, I could sell it for 300. And I'll yeah. be quick thing. But yeah. then the ones that went to say, like, I had a claim on one, which I think, that was, I can't remember where we were now. Whatever it was, it was a silly claim again. They just, things were screenings or something. I can't remember where we were. But anyway, yeah, we're going off track now. But it's such a weird, such a weird system how we buy, buy and sell stuff. Because I do yeah. not get to buy it with supermarkets. I do not sell directly to supermarkets. People think I'm mad for this. And people think that's what we do. It's Typical difficult example, to do that, though. It's not easy to get into that. No, my brother, like I said, he works on a farm that grows pumpkins and sweet corn. Yeah. Really cool. The amount of times he's been sweet corning, so he picked sweet corn in July before we go combining. He's picking sweet corn and say, so sweet corn's only got a, um, he's going to shoot me if he hears this to hear what the shelf life about 
three or four days on the farm, I think, something like that in a fridge unit. Yeah. That's, that's all it's got before it needs to get to the shelf, to the market, to give them the end date. So they'll have a gang in, because it's all hand done. So they'll have a gang in to pick sweet corn. They'll get 12 boxes up or whatever the order is, you know, package them, box them up, 12 pallets all ready to go. Where's the lorry? Where's the lorry? Right, we'll ring the firm that's meant to be here at four. Ring the firm. Yeah, no, we've got cancelled, mate. What do you mean got cancelled? Ring the, ring, ring the supermarket up. Yeah, we don't want until next week now. What do you not think of telling us this? What are we yeah. going to do with the sweet corn? We've got to go and dump it now. So that's why I don't get, they're forever doing it. Like five, six boxes, lorry don't turn up. They cancel the order, ring in the morning. They always ring at wrong, the wrong time when, the, when it's all up and ready to go. And Aye. So that's why I just don't, just don't do it. You can't meet the specs either. Going, the only thing I could sell is potatoes direct to it, but then it's a lot more hassle. They want them in certain boxes and the boxes to put them in are not cheap, like store them in. They're 120, 100, 100 quid. A, they're over 100 or 120 quid a box. Jeez. So, yeah, that's just to store them in and they like to take them away with them. So you put them on, you put them on an Arctic, if you like, you know, in boxes and there's a good chance they might not return. Oh, that's mate, not fair, man. That's just not fair. That's, it no, seems so sad to say that, but that's what it isn't. See, that's why I don't trade the supermarkets or go for the packing plant because you need them in boxes and they've got to go. My mate, my mate literally is always losing boxes. Like, they always go missing. Um, I know the, the, the guy I used to work for, uh, he, he was sending boxes. He was sending his, he was cutting his tails out. He puts them in boxes, cutting them on the lorry. They were going wherever they were going. Driver come back one day and was like, Oh, you're, I said, did you sell some of your boxes? He's like, no, we're on about. He said, the, uh, I saw some, they'll hold. They've got like 90 boxes up there. I thought they was yours. Could you get your postcode on? What? 90 boxes at hold? They should be here. Not They should have come back to the farm because they own them. So we have to go and bring the merchant up to try and chase these boxes that got, so you're trusting people on forklifts that you don't know that they, I mean, they don't care how much the box is worth. No. You, break them, you have to bring them back, mend them again and, you know, they get put on the wrong lorry, go somewhere else. Paying grand worth of boxes sitting there. Yeah. If, if, you do, if you do in bulk, like at the minute, I try and put mine in 25 kilo bags to go to chip yeah. shops, merchants. They're in bulk at the minute because I can't get an order. But my mate's dad, he's had bulkers go missing. Like they go, get rejected, and no one's no, no idea where they're gone. How <laughs> you lose a bulk of loads of tests? <laughs> it's such a crazy thing. People, people don't realise what stress bar it is or what the different, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Those supermarkets with bags of potatoes and go there you go can I have a check please no it's, it's, it sounds silly saying not fair it sounds like such a nonsense term but it's true it's what it is, it um, is. you mentioned earlier about uh, talking in schools look this is something you uh, seem passionate about seem quite involved yeah. in up in Scotland here we have RECT which is the Royal Highland Education Trust which I've been a vice chair of one of the uh, countryside initiatives sort of the regions uh, for the last year and a half only stepped down the last month because I'd moved away from that area but now involved again and it's great to get out and go to shows and show lambs to kids and it's going to be different you're going to be showing course but um, and then see that and understand where their food comes from and one thing I always say is uh, a girl I know's friend had posted on Facebook that uh, she had bought some eggs. This is not at all exaggerated. Bought some eggs from the farm next door, and uh, the wee boy had said, "Oh, that, that he loved eggs." Or her son, uh, "Oh, these taste different." And she was like, "Oh yeah, I got them from the farm just up the road." And his exact words were, "I don't want eggs from a farm. I want them from Aldi." And like, Ugh. that's cute. Yeah, it's really cute. Oh, we, you know, but it's 
inherently worrying that that's the case. Mm. And, and I think things like this are great. And I know you're very passionate about this. Could you tell us what's involved from your end regarding this sort of thing and how you got involved with, with schools? Yeah. And, and of course, I've okay. <laughs> really got a major passion. I don't know where it come from. Well, my dad used to go into schools with our tractor when I was younger. That's how it kind of it started to show the kids what you grow on the farm and whatnot. And I did it when I left school and went with him. Then all of a sudden, like a few years back, um, some other school asked me to do it and I did it. And I was like, it's like I said about some of the answers back, the kids didn't know. And I was like, we, I should really start doing this a bit more. So I started developing and going into schools. Then I got in, in with um, Kids Country and the East of England Showground. Okay. They, they do special days. They go into schools and have schools at the showground. Showing about potatoes, chickens, you name it. They got like breakfast week I've done the other week where they taste sausages. Um, they saw a tractor. I spoke about meat square, how I how I plant wheat and you know, what's involved in that. And the same with sugar beet and potatoes. And then I um, started doing like, like a, I, I did that. You know, so I started with farmer loop before that, actually. So I went to schools and done my regular farmer loop stuff. Then I got involved in kids country. And then um, it's kind of gone from there. And that's why I started the social media stuff. Because when lockdown happened, um, I couldn't go into schools. I saw a tweet from NFU Education saying, could people do these lockdown videos um, showing what we do on a farm? We could push them around schools. And that's how it all started. And I was like, yeah, do you know what? I can do this. Instead of going for a school talk, I do my school talk, but in a video shape. Then, of course, lockdown went up. Uh, I was over and I'm trying to go into as many schools as possible. I did. What did I do last year? The numbers just gone out of my head all of a sudden. I think I've done four, I think 49 or 50 talks last year, something like that. Maybe. And since September this year, I've done 36 individual like individual talks, if you like. Over about September? Eight. Yeah, since September, I've done 38. I've talked in jail, so I do, I get through like eight talks a day. So I have the whole school come through. So I can do like, you know, kids oh. country, like a thousand, cut a couple of thousand kids come through. And it's, yeah, to repeat yourself eight times. And I get <laughs> halfway through, like I was doing a sugar beat and some girl asked me a question. I can't remember where now, she sat over here. And uh, I went, yes, brilliant question. Hold that because we're going to get back to that in a second. It was relevant. Started talking again, da 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 da. And uh, in, in the art, so I went to go turn back to the girl to answer the question. Wait a minute. You're not the same kid as you were a minute ago. <laughs> no, that's three talks ago. Whoops. <laughs> Never answered that question. But anyway, so that's what I've done. So I spread it over. I must have been about eight days so far, nine days in schools. Um, oh, do yeah. a lot for NFU education, do the farms for schools as well going to schools i've done three of them already just just um so i do the farmer luke stuff i do from ages five to 11 year olds and then i do so they get the regular how we farm introduction to farming so we do the the farmer plows the field now several people will pick up on that and i have been picked up on it that we don't actually plow the fields anymore minimum cultivations you know a direct drill and stuff like that that we still do now in my mind and the kids' minds, I've seen these kids firsthand, none of them actually know where food comes from. They don't really realise that wheat makes bread, some of them. So okay. they've just read, also just read The Little Red Hen, which the farmer in that book ploughs the field. So I'm not going in there to upset the apple cart to say we do it a totally different way when they're trying to, you know, the connection they need to know is we grow stuff that they eat. We yeah, they, they don't need to know about Mentel and No-Tel no. yet. They can get not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. But then the older kids, so the ones that are over 11 to 16 or whatever, they, they get a lot more environmental kind of stuff. So they get what we do with the environment. Then we introduce, the, well, the, sorry, then I introduce mint-till and what we actually what we actually do on a farm, crop rotations and stuff like that. Then the real older kids, when they get up to 16 or over, business. This is actually a business, believe it or not. 
you know, we need cash flows and how money works and stuff like that gets spreading in as well. So they get more costs of the stuff, stuff to grow in. And you see, I've got a real, real passion for it. Because if you notice, um, if you've been around a supermarket recently, how many families are actually shopping together anymore? It's hardly any. I don't think that exists. You know, no. one, I'm, a, I'm a single guy with no kids. And, uh, but when I was in a relationship, I loved sort of going to shop with each other. You should sort yeah. of plan the day out and that, you know, but it, it's it's not a lost art, but it's like a lost bonding moment. Yeah. You know, it's just there's one person in the house that does all the shopping and they get no credit for it. And they, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's a nice comment, actually. I never really thought about that. Yeah. It's also where like the van turns up with food. So you said about. Yeah, true. yeah of course. Yeah. So you, know, you said about the uh, I don't want the eggs that come from the farmer. Most kids now don't even know, like the, the old joke used to be, used to come from Audi. Well, now that joke's gone, isn't it? It's now we just open the cupboard and food's there. They don't even see something. That's a very good point. Of course. They don't, some, some of them don't even see the, the delivery driver comes because they come late at night and the kids are in bed. I have a, I have a little one. He's 16 months old. And like he's an absolute pain to town the, to town the supermarket. So I can see why parents or like guardians, I don't, I'm not getting into that, you know, that color. Yeah, sure, you know I what I mean? Yeah. But they, it's a, it's a hassle taking the kids around, so they're not doing it anymore. They are going by themselves, or they're click, they're clicking collecting, or they're getting it delivered to the house. So the kids aren't even realising where food doesn't even come from the supermarket anymore. That's that is a fantastic point. I've, yeah, so food just comes from that lorry. That's mental. Yeah. A very good point. So Think about it. <laughs> that's a good one. It's they funny. Are they're, gonna, they're not going to know, are they? So even like you said, so these kids, oh, yeah. so that's what that's what drives me as well. But also getting kids to ask about where food comes from, like what am I eating? Yeah. Like, I've got we're we're like, we're just as bad for it. Like someone said the other day about my like the iPhone you got. I've never put any thought into how that's made, why that's made, who makes that. Not at all. So it's the people are the same with food. Why should they like food's there? Food's available. They need food. We buy food. Why should they care who makes it? This is why we need, got another tangent, this is why we need as a, like, a agriculture to bang the drum for a British farming, but also make our voices heard to make people think about it because pe- food is just something they do. You know, the people, you know what I mean? Yeah, you mentioned a tangent. I think it's a great tangent. I, I like both the way you've put that. One, it's not even from the farm, it's not even from the supermarket, it's just there. And then that one about, yeah, just like what? Yeah. Like, it's just the stuff that I don't think about, like how stuff's made and what like that. So why should other people who are eating food even care? Like some people come on there thinking, yeah, they, they need to know. You know, people need to know. People don't need to know. If they can buy it, why are they going to find out where it comes from? Yeah. We as industry need to bang on about any, but how many adverts you see for an iPhone or Google Pixel? I love, I love that advert. It's so Photoshop, those, those chips. Oh, anyway, dreadful. Dreadful. Yeah. Yeah. anyway, like, how, how good is that advertising? Everyone wants an iPhone. So, but we're, but we as an industry aren't very good. We're getting better. Like the people you've had in your podcast are absolutely brilliant social media, putting it all out there. We need to start doing more. We've got to think of ourselves as a proper business. This is a proper industry that we need to showcase and try to promote British farming as in like advertising it, not just that they need to buy British. Mm-hmm. Like we need to advertise to buy British. And also as well, I tell you what, I'm really on a tangent now, sorry, but they, what winds me up is when people say, like, people just need to buy British, you know, just buy British, or we need to thank a farmer. I don't, I, I don't, I, well, yeah. 
Yeah. I hate that. I tell you I, why I hate Frank a farmer because I just grow the stuff. If it wasn't from everywhere else in the cogs in the system, it would never get to the plate. I can't make my wheat into bread. I can't, well, I can actually cart my own wheat because I have got a license to drive a lorry, but I haven't got a lorry. That's, that's not the point. <laughs> but we need that. Also as well, I, I can't grow my own like, seed. I can't put the research into the stuff near, well, just sort of near Nixagon. We need the research into that. There's so many different people involved in getting the food to the plate that need to be found, not just me. All I do is grow the stuff. And and I guess sort of saying thank a farmer puts it the, the impression that there's not science in this, there's not whatever, which which it is, it's huge. Yeah. And also the the by British one, and, and maybe even more so than by British, I, I promote local all the time where possible. Yeah. But the the thing that always gets me is you should just pay more for the product. We're going into the biggest cost of living crisis we've ever seen. That's not fair to put that onus on people. And also, if we only buy British produce, countries that require, that basically are built on trade, disappear. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm someone that hugely promotes local products, meat, wheat, tatties, whatever, you know. Um, but we've also got to consider that there's a whole world out there that, that, that's livelihood, that's, um, yeah. you know, quality of life is based on this hugely and, and we do need to still support other places there's stuff that we can't grow in this country yeah. like the, we, need to, we need to we need to global like trade as well but also as well when we're saying about buying british produce why going back to advertising like the, the thing why should people buy british produce what do we give them that's extra to make them look our way and not mm -hmm. if you get I, the map people see on social media they're shouting to the british public to buy british buy british buy british right What's the uh, what are the benefits for me? I make sure the road's tidy. So if I come out of a field that's muddy, scrape up after myself. You know, if uh, if there's a kid that wants to see inside the tractor, I'll stop and let him have a look around the tractor. As long as it's safe, I'm not saying they'll go with us. You know what I mean? And the same with people ask about what am I doing? I'm more than happy to stop to tell them. You know, don't try not to chase people off my land. You know, try and explain, actually, this is a while. You know, if they're walking around the margins, explain to them why they can't walk around it because there's people, there's birds and bees and whatnot, and what's in the fields and stuff like that. Give them a reason to buy British. If you don't, you just keep shouting British. It's like, well, no. What's a, the farm, the, a, the farm was horrible to me. I followed, yeah, I followed a tractor the other day that didn't pull over. Like, mm -hmm. what, what, what are these benefits? If you're not backing them up with something, you can't just be empty, like, just buy British. Yeah. It's, it's all no. part of a it's all part of a brand. If we're looking at this as a business perspective, it's a brand. You don't see Coca-Cola doing something silly. I know I'm dropping brands here. I'm allowed to do that. Do, do I get free Coke? Yeah, I, I wish. If we, if oh. you're, I think we've got two fantastic sponsors on this podcast, but if Coca-Cola were getting involved, I think we'd be doing some major business. <laughs> I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. I might just drop in John Deere, John Deere, John Deere, New Holland, New Holland, New Holland. Let's, make some more well, let's, let's stick with John Deere. I quite like to start there. <laughs> right, we'll, do yeah, we'll, we'll do that then. So what, like, um, you know, their brand content, if you like. They don't yeah. try and damage the brand. And I think British farming is kind of a brand in my eyes and oh. everyone needs to make sure they toe the line when we're doing this the amount of people i see on tiktok 
doing ridiculous stuff that should not be allowed. And that's why I started TikTok as well. I'll briefly tell you why I went to TikTok. Because I was doing my regular young uh, family school talk. And I said about my Instagram and Facebook pages, because they got information about farming, how we farm, you know, bits like that. So I always say at the end of it, la, la, la. And remember to follow me on Instagram and Facebook. And this girl walked by and went, Facebook's for your mum. And I was like, right, come back. There's no gang. I was like, get it, get it, get it. Right, so I said, what do you mean for your mum? Why is that not cool? And they actually explained to me, they're like, no, because mum's that, and Instagram's a little bit too, uh, you know, not really, you know, glamorous, if you like. And I said, right, what do you use then? Like, TikTok, TikTok. Right, let me just write this down. Right, I felt proper old. <laughs> so I went home, downloaded it, <laughs> looked through it, put farming in it, and was like, this is not British agriculture. Like, this is not. It's bad. Yeah, it's I seen some stuff in there. I was like, right, that's it. Farmer Luke's on TikTok. And then, boom, I started doing my farming videos. You know, a little bit of comedy for a start about, you know, agriculture and stuff like that. And now it's going back to how, how we actually farm. Because I've seen these, um, I've seen I've seen a couple of videos where the, there's a trend going around where you get out of the cab and film it going by. It's mental. Oh. Mental. It's the safety aspect. I know a couple of people were jumping up and down. But it's more my, my thing is, because I know there's some, you know, was it 13, 14 year old lads that are watching that, thinking that that's cool. And they're yeah. going to then try and replicate it. And it's like, no, you should not be doing that at all. And like, how is that, again, going back to breaking the brand of British agriculture, yeah. that's going to the general public a reason not to buy British. Well, no, yeah. it wouldn't give a reason, but it's something they'll stick in their mind. No, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I love TikTok. I am hugely addicted to TikTok. I think it would be fair to say, and I'm currently writing a PhD proposal on social media and farming and, and the benefits of it all and whatnot. And I've just apparently put my thumbs up according to Zoom. But anyway, yeah. um, I watch, I just scroll through TikTok and I follow a lot of farming accounts and whatnot and some are fantastic. Most are fantastic, actually. Yeah, but yeah, sorry, yeah. The, the videos that get traction, if you pardon the pun, are the, the stupid ones because it's funny, it's dramatic, yeah? And and it's it's worrying some of the videos you get on there. There's that. Um, every and day there is some kind of handling like and it's that sound is used on videos of people just breaking stuff and you're like why are you promoting this stop yeah. it you're causing so much damage like yeah damage and so it's dangerous and then again again you said about the science behind and how frustrating you know how 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 diverse the industry is as well like the, the amount of people and how complex and scientific it is and how much money runs through it and yet it's just been undermined completely by, by a few videos they put on there that make us again uh, you know what I mean like mm -hmm. You know, food, no, no, no farmers, no food, and just kind of just undermine what we do as such. But they, yeah. they're realizing they're doing it because they're jumping on a trend. Yeah. If you know, I saw no. like, and they don't like some of the stuff as well. With um, I saw the other day about sharing, about speaking out about uh, mental health issues and stuff like that. And I don't think people don't talk about they, they don't talk about it generally, but I don't think enough farmers actually go out and say how stressful the job is. At the minute, you know, these 40 and 50 year old lads are kind of are, are just posting it, like reposting it because, like, a trend at the minute. It shouldn't be a trend, it should be too normal. Yeah, it should be like people can talk about it. Don't just repost it, actually ask someone if they're doing okay. You know, it's quite funny though, because I mean, I've been someone who's sailed through life mental health wise, I've been very lucky, and then the last few months I've struggled somewhat and I've went to counseling and whatever. 
And uh, first off, counselling's amazing if you need it. Like, if you feel like you need to go for it, don't be like, oh, it needs to get bad. Just go. It's amazing. Um, but 90% of the folk I've told are like, oh, fantastic. Do you want to talk about it? Tell me about whatever. Yeah. But there's still that, oh, you went to counselling. You know, there's still that stigma there. It's still definitely there. And I've seen it firsthand. Like, you know, friends, I wouldn't, I don't think I've had any co-workers, but people, when I've mentioned it to them, it's like, oh, <laughs> so like, this is not a good, so people say, open up, open up, open up. And I'm going to, I'm going to say something here that's a guess, that's a, that's an assumption, which is wrong, but I'm going to assume some of those people that are a bit like that are still those people that share those posts because you're, you're yeah. sharing a post. It means nothing to you. You're not writing about it. You're just hit and share. And I think it's quite easy to get across that sort of false narrative when you don't actually mean it. Yeah. Um, I think we do need to make it the norm. I think we need to make it like, I, I don't like the, it's okay to not be okay. I disagree. I think it's okay for a short period, but I don't think we should normalize not being okay. You know, as, as, yeah. a, as a state, I think we should, normalize uh, sort of being aware you're not okay and trying to work away from that uh, yeah you know it's okay to not be okay it's always been a sort of thing i've not fully agreed with but, um yeah I, I like your points a lot very important <coughs> trying to work through it I know, I, know, I know exactly what you mean about yeah. it and i was thinking the other day because that's i literally um saw that and that's i put a story up about actually I'm pretty stressed and do you know why i'm pretty stressed it's because of stuff out of my control and then went on about yeah. the Selling and why I'm stressed, and I think a couple of people actually did message us and said they're okay. And I, I, I did say in the video, like I'm not having some kind of breakdown at all. Honestly, <laughs> this, this is this is farming stress. I'm used to this. This is what I do. I know about it. If you know what I mean. Mm. But it just come off the it just come off the back of like actually the mental health issues in farming is caused by some people can't you know can't take much more stress. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty much getting the breaking point. I mean, I, I could do it a bit more, and then then I probably would have gone. But then yeah. Scott, funny enough, and that kind of now I'm back to normal again. Everything's hunky dory. But being aware of where you are, like, oh, I'm in, I'm in this bit minute, and it's not going to take too much more to take me over that next level. Being aware yeah. of that massive, it's it's so important. I, th I think it, it's, it's something I've, I've been. You know, I've, I have these major blow up moments as well. Like, um, I, so if something goes wrong, either some spanner gets chucked across the workshop and then immediately right that's gone right let's let's go pick that up and carry on again yeah, or yeah. there's a i tell you my worst and most dangerous moments is when i have a what i call an effort moment where something's completely gone wrong and i've gone and sold that bit of equipment and brought another one <laughs> oh, right i've had enough of this i've shot i tell you what the last time i've done it i had to stop it because of financial pressures the pressure washer had a pressure washer would not work and i was out there a screwdriver i was poking around mending wires you know trying to work out what was wrong with it yeah. and i just suddenly went do you know what nuts to this chucked the thing on the floor went to the local place and spent two and a half grand on the pressure washer i was like right that's never going wrong again <laughs> I spent thing. i'm never buying another one that's the kind of moments i have i've never done that with a tractor yet I've, i was I've gonna got to say that would be bloody I know, I know someone had a grader go back to the bloke I work for. My, my cousin actually worked for him when he was released for Harper. And they were grading, they were, they were, they were lifting potatoes and chains kept coming off and the cog broke. And all of a sudden, him and his dad jumped like in the, in the, in the car and disappeared. I'm like, where are they gone? But an hour and a half later, they returned. I'm like, right, clear, clear the grader away, get everything out of the way. We're just, we just brought a new one. It'll be, it'll be here tomorrow. Move it, it was gone. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> moment because it kept breaking and I'm, I'm a little bit like that as well it's like yeah that's to it it's gone Brand off. brilliant <laughs> yeah look it's been great it's been it's always cool to speak to someone that does something that I am just not involved in and, and arable farming is that uh, it's, it's really cool to chat um, there's two things we always end the podcast on two questions uh, time does fly by believe it or not we have spoke for well over an hour and a half at the minute just coming up for an hour and a half sorry um, it, it, it flies by when you're having fun uh, the two questions are one where do you see yourself in five years so you'll still have seven years left in your tenancy where do you see yourself then probably in the same place I'm going to guess but yeah. there's probably some answers there and also if you need tips for folk coming into farming what would they be brilliant now uh, five years time I think I'm going to be still at Daintree I still hopefully still be farming uh, I'll probably still have the two tractors as well because um, they're absolutely perfect age um, they're a 12 plate a 13 plate and my brother actually used to mend tractors when he was left school till, till, till like five six years ago on them particular models so whenever there's a problem he can mend them like today i've had an issue come up he remembers all the codes that come up as well so i can ring him up and he knows how to fix them so i'll still be with them might have a new combine we'll see or a fresh combine um, but I, one of the things I really want to do, hopefully I'll be a lot more min-till cover crop based. We never got into that, but I started dabbling with that. Also as well, I'm, I'm mixing with some, um, someone else's sheep, not mine. Someone brings sheep <laughs> down cover crops, because I don't know about sheep. Uh, they're just about eggs. But they, so he's crazing them off. So hopefully that'll be integrated in the system, still for the tails. But also as well, I want to get, um, I've done a lot of lorry driving in the wintertime and I've got nothing to do. So I quite like the idea of having my own uh, lorry as well. Okay. So not only so that was made as a major issue a couple of years ago. Still is now getting hold of a lorry to cut the crop. So physically, the people want it. It's in the store. They can't get the haulage there because the haulage boys have been even worse than us. Prices have been yeah. a cutthroat business. So also as well, I have a little tiny contracting business where um, I cut other people's wheat. And sometimes I'm stopped waiting for a shed to be emptied. It's like, if I have my own lorry, I can cut that away so I can carry on cutting. So hopefully that then... Hopefully, I still have a like, happy life. I love where I am. I love my life. Like as long as I make enough money to a go on holiday with a, with a family a year, because I think that's important. Spending time with them. I don't want to. I don't want farming to mess with my children's life either. Like okay. my, yeah. my, I know people think that if you if you this is this is a good tip. For people start their own farm. You can work as many hours in the day as you want, but if you're going to miss out on family time, it's really not worth it. And you can be a busy fool as well. Just because you're out there 24 hours a day working does not mean you're earning money. You earn money sitting inside the office, working costs out. Actually, when you step out that door, you're costing yourself money because you need to pay yourself. So yeah. does that job really need doing or do you fancy a day off to see your family? Because my dad used to work a lot growing up. I can remember him coming in. I didn't see him some nights because he was out on the tractor you know, out doing stuff. So I just saw him in the morning just before he left for work. Sometimes I didn't see him for a couple of days. And I don't want to be that kind of dad. I don't want to miss, uh, miss out on, you know, children growing up. So um, hopefully that in five years' time, I've got a good work-life balance, you know what I mean? When you need to work, you need to work. I'm not saying combine and harvest. I'm a totally different bloke. Like, there is 26 hours in a day at harvest. <laughs> I will work all hours of the day to get done because I know that sunshine's not going to last. Uh, Taylor is not so bad. That'll just hurt you. Know, what... Uh, what we didn't do today we can do tomorrow is my kind of philosophy except you see me on my couple of social media pages a few weeks ago where I was getting very stressed we hadn't got any wheat in the ground 
and we was getting yeah, t- no, we was we was getting tired. It started raining and stuff like that. That's more weather conditions that we can't put it off now because now I've put it off enough. What's going on? I can't get it in. I need something to plant to to grow so I can make some money. So yeah, hopefully that. And also as well to anyone anyone who wants to farm. A the first port call is join young farmers. We talked about it. If you want to get any aspect of agriculture at all, not just farming, you know, shepherding, or if you want to go to be a grain merchant. I mean, even if you want to work in rural um, insurance, because that is another separate insurance stuff that um, I'm pretty sure your your sponsors would agree. Like you need specialist people to do that as well. It's not just no one can walk into that job. Funny enough, that's funny enough. That's what the wife does. But anyway, so oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so especially you know, so joining farmers, you'll meet um, like-minded people. Uh, two, uh, try and grab opportunities when you can. Like stuff's not going to fall into place. You need to work for it as well. So if you want to start your own farm, for instance, my farm with land, if five acre comes up, go for it. You can't, you, nothing's going to fall in your lap. It's not going to be the, the perfect farm. No. Um, also as well, uh, listen to people, what they've got to say. Like I said, even if you don't agree with it, still listen to them because that little listening might come like that. Be, that be information might not be relevant now, but you wait till five, six years. Also, ah, someone told me to do this. Um, try and network as well the amount of people the more people you meet the more people you talk to chat to farm sales or whatever I mean like 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 now in social media I mean I'm always chatting to someone the same as you I mean I wouldn't do this podcast if I didn't have a little chat with you now and again you know know what I mean so that so that will come in handy at some point as well try and make friends and help people out as well people will help you if you ask people want to see younger people get on so if it means borrowing something borrow something don't be too proud and yeah, watch your figures as well. That's the main thing. Like I said before, don't be a busy fool. And just because, like me, I've only got 300 and where have I got now? 350, 60 acre. I can't remember now um, where we are. I know I've got this all written down. I've got a lot of things going through my mind at once. Like I don't need to remember everything in my head. I've got stuff written down. Oh, this, absolutely. This, yeah. this is why we have computers for. Because a lot of people said before about um, going back to a few farming things, like they couldn't believe uh, my weed identification is terrible. But I have an agronomist that comes and does it. Like, I don't, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's people yeah. that know more about this stuff that I rely on because I need to be everywhere at once. I need to be an accountant. I need to be an electrician when I'm mending stuff in the yard, mechanic, accountant, you know, bank manager at times. You know, I need to be yeah. in one person and I need to edge, edge my bet. So, why won't I use people whose job it is to be that specialist? So, yeah, listen, listen to people. Don't be a busy fool again. You make money by sitting working figures out not being out there 24 hours a day no i like that i like don't be a busy fool it's a good one it's very no, you, good. That's, that's it i'm 360 acre but you think that's not a big farm i could honestly to god be 2000 acres i really could yeah. but i can't afford it exactly that's it <laughs> i'll be broke in a year i could be 2000 acres on paper but the next year i'm gone because i spent all my money on rent <laughs> if you want to pay for it you can be it but you need to make that balance like, yeah, i'm yeah. In no more than 260 quid an acre or whatever the last bid got it for like that's not sustainable it's so, not no no very good point and i like i like you know quite often the tips are very go for it go for it go for it yours were quite real yes go for it but also also sort of be realistic as to what what the future is if it's um, not work don't do it because you don't want to undo something so um dad always says that when one door shuts another one opens yeah and well, sometimes- when there's one, there's two. I like that. And, and you know, 
I'd never heard that saying, or maybe I had subconsciously, but I've always said to myself, there's always an exit door to every door you go into. And it's it's the exact same thing. And it, yeah, it's very true. If you go into something, you go into a room, you're like, oh shit, this is not for me. There's normally a way out, but uh, you might never yeah. know a room if you didn't. So no, all very good points. I hope sure. everyone's enjoyed listening today because um, it's been a very good one. I've very much enjoyed it. Always like hearing about other things. As I said, if you want to follow Luke, it's Farmer Luke on Twitter or Down in Daintree Farm on Instagram. Is that right? Yeah. Done that right. Uh, right. On, on Twitter, YouTube, and of course the TikTok is Down with Of course. Farm. Yes, that's right. TikTok. I'm down with the children, the kids. Yeah, you know? that's it. I do cool things though. Um, I I don't I don't use Twitter, so I've never seen it. But certainly on the Instagram side, the content is very good. It's easy to understand educational stuff oh. about farming, and that's for someone in farming. Um, so it's it's very good to to listen to. So I enjoy it myself. So go listen uh, if you're listening. That always means a lot when someone in the industry said that they watch my videos because yeah, no, I do. Yeah, they're so like I didn't even mention what they are. They're so low level. Like have a look at my tractor. This button does this. That does that. But that's yeah, this, brilliant. That's really good. This, yeah. this is how a plough works. There's loads of people out there that are promoting British agriculture in different ways. Like I said about the uh, blogs and stuff like that, people do. I mean, I, I haven't done that yet because I, I didn't feel it was that interesting. And B, we break a lot. So we walk <laughs> today or Farmer Clive's done something stupid or something's gone wrong. I did put, we had two days mending an electric motor to put on the grader until we yeah. realised it, it run the wrong direction. Oh, <laughs> Who wants to see that? But anyway, so there's a lot of people who do it better than me. It's got shiny equipment. So I thought that's why I go for the kids level. Like, this is what we do on a farm. Because I, I, I found a niche because no one does it. A lot well, of people say what they do on the, gra- the, the the farm, but they don't actually say how we do it. Yeah. So down the farm with fertilizer spreading, I'm using nitrogen at so-and-so. The plant needs that and that and that. Brilliant. How are you putting it on? This is yeah. our fertilizer. This is where I could be. This fertilizer spreader. The, the, the fertilizer goes in here. The discs are here. They spread out here. Sorry, I've completely ruined your ending there. I do apologise. Not at all. I was, no, not, I, was not trying to, I was not trying to hijack it, but like you said, when people say about doing it, that's what I do. And when someone in the industry say they like them, that's why I like hearing that. I really, really appreciate that because you you, you know about this stuff that I'm talking about. Like, you've been in a tractor. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you know so when people say that, it's like, oh, really? You de- no, yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, not at all. No. It's been great. I really have enjoyed it. So go check out, uh, go check out Luke if you like the sound of that. Next week we will be for Artucast number seventy-five, and I am going to say this wrong because I do not know flowers. Mum, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Alomeria Ben, I think Alstomeria, Alstomeria Ben. I can't, I can't remember. It's Ben Cross uh, who is a. I'm going to get this wrong as well. A flower grower. I'm selling it terribly. It's going to be interesting to talk flowers and if I've tried to give them an intro and embarrass myself, I hope you look forward to a whole hour of me not having a clue what Ben is talking about. Um, and after that, we've got a lot more coming up. We've got podcast with Biza Walters. We've got Michael Blanche. We've got Emily I mentioned earlier. We've got Blaise Aitken, who is in Zimbabwe. We've got three or four more. So there's a lot more coming. Really looking forward to this new relationship I have with A-Plan Rural uh, and as the primary and Scottish farmer as our secondary. So uh, I hope you enjoy the content coming up. Look, it's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I enjoyed it. Really have. Perfect. We shall uh, keep in touch. And those of you listening, we shall see you next week. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing 
to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural and on Facebook at A-Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.